Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, favorite time of the week. Get to talk college football with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. And, Matt, uh, you took a little road trip during the week up to the University of Florida where Dan Mullen has made some changes in his staff. We should say some purges. Todd Grantham among those heading out uh, at this part of the season. Some thought maybe he should have been let go beforehand. So what do you make of of Mullen's decision uh, at this point in the season to to make changes? Sure. Well, well, thanks for having me on. there's 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 a lot uh, i'll be honest my the first thing that went into my head was okay yeah i expected this the second thing that went into my head is again i'm always blunt on this show even when i shouldn't be my second thought was this is rearranging the 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 furniture on the titanic yeah mm-hmm. is is what this is um so dan had a 180 because we asked him after the LSU loss immediately afterward, whether he was going to make any changes. And and he basically said more or less, I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in in season changes. We basically, the cake's still in the oven more or less. And I, I understand that philosophy. I don't know that I agree with it, but, but I understand it. So for him to reverse course two weeks later, granted two, one bad loss, one, inexcusable inexplicable confounding possibly point of no return loss later to, to change that was was a little bit of a surprise just because i would didn't expect dan to change his mind but look he had to do something um dan was blunt on monday um i, I thought uh he didn't make excuses he, he didn't come across as the smartest guy in the room he said look i don't know what happened on saturday but it's not okay uh, we, you know, the goal at Florida is to win championships, but if you're not going to win a championship, the goal with every, every team that you ever coach, you want to be better at the end of the year than you were at the beginning, but we're not, we are worse right now than we were at the beginning of the year. And that's not okay. So we have to do something to try and fix it. And he knew that Grantham and, and John Hevesy were going to be gone. Um, Todd Grantham, the defensive coordinator, John Hevesy, the O-line coach, he knew he had his mind made up They're They're, they're not coming back. So it becomes, why not, if we're going to do it eventually, let's do it now. Um, he can do a little bit of looking at the end of the week, kind of checking names, that sort of thing, vetting some candidates potentially on who's going to fix it. There's no more questions about whether those guys are going to be back. I think in some ways that might help recruiting in terms of, you know, these assistants aren't going to be there. You're not trying to play a game. And I, I think, look, the fans are upset. He has lost a lot of the fan base and he has lost some important people. And in and around the program, mm. so he had to do something, and this gives people a pound of flesh. Yeah, it certainly does. I, I guess if he's lost boosters, I assume you're talking about maybe people in the athletic department. I mean, if if the if the AD and them are on board with him making these changes now, some may look at that and say, well. Um, they're going to give him one more bite of the apple. They're going to let him replace these guys and see if he can get his staff right, or. And I thought you asked this question, which I thought was a good one. Has he lost his team? That's going to be the thing that really is going to determine, I think, what Mullen's fate is. 
Correct. Uh, you know, when, when I, I didn't get to watch the South Carolina game live. I was coming back from, from Florida State. I, 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 I picked the wrong game to be at. It happens. So when I went back and watched it, well, first of all, I listened to it on the radio. And to hear the, the, the radio guys being absolutely incredulous at the way Florida's mm-hmm. O-line and D-line were getting pushed around, was that was telling. And then when I actually went back and watched it, the, the, the blown coverages. I mean, look, South Carolina scored two touchdowns when a guy caught the ball. There was no one within 10 yards of him. Two. Two. I mean, I still don't understand the, the, the one um, Josh Van caught it in, in the back of the end zone. There was nobody in the picture. Literally nobody in the picture. I, I went and showed, I, I took a, you know, was watching the game on my computer, paused it, showed it to my wife. Honey, what do, what do you see? What do you, what's missing here? It's like, um, <laughs> defenders? Yeah, there's no defenders here. That's not a good thing. That, mm. that's, that's the problem. Um, so once you even get past that, the only explanation that I could come up with is that he, he lost part of the program. He lost part of the team. Um, that's, that's the only explanation for how they could be that bad on Saturday. Because, they look, South Carolina is not good. They're not. It's, it's not like this is a, a team that's got a ton of talent that had been, you know, really close and finally broke through with a great performance. No, they got a first-year coach. They were on a third-string quarterback. They're not good. The only thing that I could come up with was questioning whether he lost the team and, and whether they quit on him. Um, Dan believes that is not the case. Because, and again, I asked him that directly because I think that's the biggest thing going on right now. And he said, no, I don't think that's the case because Monday through Friday, there was passion. They, they, the players, you know, they, they practiced hard um, and they were disappointed afterwards. It wasn't apathy. So that wasn't the issue. And what, so that's to me is what we'll have to see going forward. One of the things we'll have to see going forward in terms of, can he save this? Can he save the season? Can he save his job? Um, are they playing with passion for the final three games? That includes Samford. You know, they better not sleepwalk against Samford. And God forbid, pull it. You know, go at uh, twenty thirteen Georgia Southern, right? Um, and then they need to. So they need to beat Samford handily. They need to beat Missouri handily, and they need to beat FSU by double digits. And if those happen, if the defense looks better, if the O line looks better, if he shows some life in recruiting in terms of uh, you know getting a couple big commits or something. You can maybe see a path forward, but but as it is, I mean, South Carolina w- was either the point of no return or rock bottom. I lean more toward the point of no return. Really? Wow. Um, Look, and, how do you how do you recover from that? Well, I don't I don't know, and and I would say this that no, no one loves a uh, a wobbly coach as much as your rivals, and so when you talk about recruiting. I mean, you're almost to the point of the year where the administration is going to have to come out with the dreaded vote of confidence that, yes, Dan Mullen will be back next season. I mean, that's the statement I'm waiting for. In absence of that, there's no sign that would suggest that that he's guaranteed anything. Um, I I think they're probably in the same wait-and-see mode as the rest of us, right? I I think you're correct. Um, uh, Some fans... And, and I've tried to read the tea leaves and read between the lines and all this stuff in terms of, you know, firing the assistants is, is that the let, let these guys go, the, the, the head stays. And I don't know whether that is true. Um, because I think if it were true, look, Scott Strickland is a lot of things. He is not a dumb man. That's, that's the, the Gators athletic director. Right. He knows what's going on. He knows what people are saying. He knows what people are writing. He knows what fans are saying because 
goodness, I, his, his phone must be just a, a nightmare right now. <laughs> so if he knew Dan was the guy in 2022, he would have come out and said it publicly. I mean, I shoot, he would have right. done what he would have done what Nebraska did. Uh, yeah. Tuesday. Yes. We're, we're recording Wednesday morning. Yeah. What, what Nebraska did on Tuesday where the AD comes out and says, yes. Scott Frost is our coach in 2022. We restructure his contract. I see seeing incremental progress. It gets another year. But yep. the fact that Scott yep. hasn't done that tells me that he probably doesn't know. And if things and, and look, there's three more games left. They, they should absolutely destroy Sanford. The other two, they should win. But at this point, I don't feel confident in saying that. So what happens in the next three weeks, I think, is going to go a long way in deciding what, who the coach is at Florida the next, uh, in the next year. And potentially, and this would be quite a bit of drama for the background of this rivalry, it could come down to the Florida-Florida State game. Absolutely. I mean, look, Florida State is playing better. Um, you know, I, I was at their game against North Carolina State. They were competitive. <clears throat> excuse me. They were competitive against a top 30 team, top 20 team, whatever, whatever you want to call NC State. Yeah. And FSU was competitive. And, and that's, to me, one of the other indictments, just to bring this back to Florida really fast again. Um. Florida and Florida State both had a bunch of guys out with the flu. Like, that's not an excuse. That is, that's a thing that happened. Um, both, you know, Mullen said they had between 20 and 30 guys out at various points in the week with the flu. I think Norvell at, at FSU said they had like 25 guys miss at least one day of practice. So they were both in comparable situations, right? At FSU, one of the guys they had out was Jordan Travis. He was unavailable. They're starting quarterback. So here's what I saw. I saw one team that didn't have their starting quarterback that was, you know, uh, had a bunch of guys out with the flu, played very hard for four quarters. And they were, it was a one-score game midway through the fourth quarter, and they lost to a top 30 team that frankly should beat them. That's Florida State. The other one, again, comparable flu situation, not the same, but comparable, was on the road against a middling SEC team, middling might be too polite, with a third-string quarterback and a first-year coach, a top down 60 team in the country, not top 30, nowhere near like that. And they got the doors blown off them. And it looked like they did not play with a lot of effort and they did not play well at all. That to me is a jarring um, discrepancy there to see how Florida state played in a similar situation and how Florida played in a similar situation. And that is a damning thing to say about where the Gators are. Let me ask you this, just, just, uh, just from a big picture standpoint, when you have, let's say that Scott Strickland, let's say he said in his mind, he thinks that Dan Mullen's not going to make it. And, you know, those conversations are being had. We know LSU doesn't have a head coach. We know yeah. USC doesn't have a head coach. Do you put yourself behind in terms of trying to hire that next guy if if you don't make a decision on Dan Mullen? You do if you're swimming in the same pool. Right. Um, and, and frankly, look, when 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 things were bad with Willie um, at, at Florida State, I argued that if they knew they were going to get rid of him, they should do it. They should do it quickly because the, the last couple of games of the season, you weren't going to learn one way or the other. Like, you, you know, the cake, it was already done. Um, and yeah, you need to get out ahead at FSU in particular with that search. They had a new, you know, not a new athletic director, but an athletic director who hadn't done something like that before. So I think they needed all the time in the world to vet it, get it done, as you know, be thorough. And they ended up with Mike Norvell, and well, you know, jury's still out on him. 
Um, but yeah, right now, like, l let's say, um, and again, I, if I haven't made this clear, in the past with, with Dan Mullen, I have been reticent to say hot seat. I've been reluctant to do so and to talk a lot about potential candidates. That's no, not anymore. It is. It, we have gone from, and that's a little bit premature too. Yeah, it, it's, it's fair. It's time to talk about it. So because it's time to talk about it, um, let's say uh, James Franklin is somebody that's high on Florida's list. Well, right. he could be in the mix at USC. He could be in the mix at LSU. He would make sense at Florida also. So sure. yeah, if he's high on your list, you probably should be having those conversations and having that out in public so you could get get have a better chance at getting him and getting him in as soon as possible. Um, Mel Tucker is another one at, at Michigan State. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, he's done a fantastic job there. He's got SEC ties, uh, was an assistant at LSU and, and Georgia and Alabama, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he would be somebody that LSU would probably look at and, and Florida would be wise to look at as well. Um, maybe there are some other names in there as well. Like, I mean, I don't know, like, like Mario Cristobal, probably not. Um, maybe LSU would want Billy Napier at Louisiana Lafayette. Again, I don't know that that would be the right move for him, but Florida might be. Um, so if you're swimming in the same pool, yeah, it behooves you to get out in front of it as soon as possible. Because I could make an argument that Florida is the best job of those three. I could also argue that it's the worst job of those three. But it doesn't do you any good to uh, of a hire of this magnitude to wait it just for no reason when you know you need to know and get it out there i mean i mean shoot look 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 what's already happened uh georgia southern has hired clay helton as their next head coach you know they fired their coach in season now they already have a new guy texas tech just hired joey mcguire from baylor to be their head coach a couple days ago so yeah you need to get moving now because the portal is always active recruiting is always active the early signing day is what a month and four days away a month and five days away you got to be getting all that stuff, all those ducks in a row, if you're going to do that search. And, and uh, right. waiting a day, but you know, if you know, waiting an extra day is bad. Waiting an extra two weeks is really bad, and frankly, administrative malfeasance. Yeah, you certainly wonder about those recruits that Mullen is trying to hang on to right now, and what he can tell them as far as his future goes. It's got to be a difficult conversation for sure. All right, uh, so you mentioned. Uh, you were uh, you were at Florida State. They had the flu virus, obviously. Uh, they play Miami, which has shown some signs of improvement as well. This used to be, and and maybe will be again, one of the best rivalries in college football. How, how far away are we from that day again? At least a couple years. I mean, yeah. look, it still means a lot to those fans. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I mean, uh, Willie Willie Taggart's point of no return. In his FSU tenure was the Wake Forest loss, where they, you know, they they went up there and they they blew a fourth quarter lead and lost because Willie effectively iced his own kicker in the rain before a long kick. That was a point of no return. But what did him in was losing at home to Miami. Mm. If Manny Diaz loses to Florida State to this Florida State team on Saturday, that might be what does him in. Right. Yeah. That's that's a that's a feasible possibility here. So and that's not because like this is a big national game and, you know, everybody from Topeka, Tampa, Timbuktu was watching this. No, it's not that it, it's because it means a lot to the people in this state and those fan bases. In terms of how far are we from it being an elite game again? Look, FSU is a couple years away from 
be, even us being able to talk about them as a top 10 team, something in that vein. You know, th- th- this year, a bowl game is a highly unlikely. The next year, a bowl game, seven wins. Is, you know, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but seven wins would probably be a step forward. And then after that, we can talk about 10 wins or something like that. Uh, Miami, I could argue that they're they're getting pretty close. Um, you know, they've got a lot of young talent, which is a good thing for Manny Diaz's future. Um, they, they obviously have the four losses. Two of them were really close. So if that kind of reverses, reverses itself, you can make a case that maybe they're not super far away from being a good to very good team again. Um, but the other side of that, Florida State's got, got a ways to go. And until both of them are back, it's not going to be uh, even what it was um, five years ago, let alone what it was 15 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, you before you get to Florida State, Miami. However, you're going to double dip this weekend. You're going to cover University of South Florida hosting Cincinnati on Friday. Jeff Scott's team played much better. Looked like they took on a pretty good opponent in Houston. Uh, had the lead in the first half. Couple of punt, uh, kick returns for touchdowns. Are you seeing uh, some some good improvement there on, on in that program right now? Yeah, they're competitive, and that's something. I mean, and again, I'm not trying to be be cute or anything. They are competitive, and that mm-hmm. is progress. Um, at some point, they're going to have to win those games. But where yeah. they are right now, being competitive with with Houston is is not a bad place. Uh, you know, I, I'm not expecting them to be particularly competitive against Cincinnati. But frankly, who the heck knows, right? Like Cincinnati didn't look great against Tulsa. Tulsa is right. not much better than USF. So maybe there's a chance they can they can keep this one close as well. And, and I mean, who knows? Stranger things have happened in terms of an upset. Um, but yeah, I just want to see consistent progress from from USF and and, and continuing to get better. Um, you know, they got two at Tulane the next week in UCF. Neither one of those is like a juggernaut, so they should be competitive and and frankly might have a chance at at either one of those. But I, I'm I'm going to be at the the USF Cincinnati game. I, I really want to see Cincinnati with my own eyes. Right, just because you know, I, I've seen obviously I've watched them on TV, and I know the talent they have, but I also know that they keep playing with their food against the Navies and Tulane's and what have you, and it's that's mm. not that's not good enough if they're going to try to break through. So I just want to see with my own eyes: does this team look like a playoff team to me? Um, and and that's something we can talk about next week after I see them. A lot of pressure for Cincinnati and those teams to to run up scores. You know, it's not enough to win. You've got to win a certain way. You've got to look a certain way. Uh, they're up to number five uh, in the uh, college football poll. Let's talk about that uh, just for a second. I thought it was interesting, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Matt. Michigan has passed Michigan State, and we know that mm-hmm. Michigan State on the field was better than Michigan, at least that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, having having said that, um, the Spartans lost to what are now the Purdue spoiler makers because they're beating everybody that's ranked, it seems, at this point. So do you agree with the committee's choice there? No, I do not at all in the slightest. 
I, look, I, I do my own rankings every Sunday morning. I do my own top 25. So I go through, mm. I, my criteria is going to be a little bit different in them. And I'm one guy, not however many, look, we're, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's the same idea. My big thing, head to head matters. It matters. I, I've had Oregon ahead of Ohio State. If, if Oregon and Ohio State played tomorrow, would I pick Oregon to win? No, I would not. But here's the thing. They already played in the horseshoe. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon won by a touchdown. Yeah. That's the thing that happened. So you, I don't, if the teams are at all close, tie goes to head to head. And even if there's a, there's a gap in there, you, you, you go with head to head because the, you, you, they play the games that we only have 12 data points. We have to use them as best we can. And when one team beats another, that's what matters. So Look, if you wanted to argue Michigan's a top five team and Michigan State has not been that good, they're in like they're like twelfth. If you want to say that's the gap and put Michigan ahead of Michigan State, okay, that's fine. I I, I understand that because um, you know you can't always go head to head, right? That you know you're not going to have Purdue over Michigan State even though they they won that game. So uh, there has to be a line somewhere. But sure. if they're that close, where one is right ahead of the other. And I think the um, Gary Barda, the uh, the spokesperson, committee chair, whatever he is with, for the, the selection committee, said they spent like an hour and a half or, or a really long time talking about Michigan versus Michigan State. Here's the thing, Rick. If they're that close, where you have to spend that much time debating Michigan versus Michigan State, why don't you just look at the 60 minutes that happened, what, eight days ago, nine I days totally ago, whatever agree. it is? I that, totally it, agree Look, with look that, at what yeah. happened. And, and mm-hmm. boom, there's your answer. Done. Let's go have some queso or something. I think it would be different, uh, and I agree with you. I think it would be different if they had played the first game of the season maybe. But even yes. then, like you mentioned, Oregon and Ohio State, I think Ohio State is much better. To your point, if they played again, you'd probably favor Ohio State. But this just happened, right? And it was a great yeah. football game, and, and both teams had moments, uh, but they did it on the field. And I, I'm with you. It just hasn't been that long ago that if the tie should go to the runner here, and it should be Michigan State. So that's just my opinion. Although Purdue seems to have a knack of of, uh, of uh, showing up at the wrong times for some of these teams. Now they go and play at Ohio State. Ohio State's certainly playing better. This could be this could be a tough test for the Buckeyes. I mean, the way Purdue is is got that that confidence going. And and Purdue uh, beat beat Urban's Ohio State team a couple years ago. Uh, Rondale mm-hmm. Moore. That was really one of his coming out parties. Um, mm-hmm. Purdue's got a, a really good receiver in David Bell, who you know, I'm a voter in the Blitnikoff Award for top, not receiver, like wide receiver, just top pass catcher. And, mm-hmm. and he was very high on my semifinalist rankings that I had to do the other day. Um, how about uh, how about Jeff Brom as a potential Florida candidate, by the way? Uh, I would I, t- I, listen. He's got to be hot, right? I mean, this is a guy that was an NFL quarterback. I believe he played uh, for a brief time. Uh, we play with the 49ers. We know that. I think maybe even with the Bucks at one point. But um, yeah, I mean, he's got to be a hot name out there right now. Yeah, he's 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 been up and down at Purdue, but again, it's Purdue, right? So you, you have to kind of take that into consideration. Um, he's but he's punched above his weight at it. Really, one of the worst Power Five teams in the country or programs in the country. I say as the, the um, my mom went to Purdue, so I'm allowed to to, to bash them. He's been up and down, but in some nice wins, including the Michigan State one and Iowa. He, he coaches offense. He, he develops players pretty well. 
you could talk yourself into him. I, no, I don't know that he would make the most sense. I don't know how exciting that would be. I don't know if he can recruit at the level Florida demands, but you look at what he's done and he's lined himself up for a, a bigger job if he wants that at some point. 1998, Jeff Brom started, I think, against the Cincinnati Bagels on Christmas Eve, and I think he won that game. I was happy that it got over fast. Um, of course. So yeah, we'll, we'll see We'll see if uh, if that ends up what's happened. There's some other good games, of course, but before we get to them, I, I wanted to talk to you uh, about your poll since you mentioned um, you do your own. So, so who do you have now ranked in the top, uh, say, four or five? Georgia. I put Bama ahead of Cincy this week just because okay. – Look, if Cincinnati is going to play a soft schedule, yeah, they need to be crushing them, and they haven't. And at some point, that has to kind of show up. Um, yeah. No, Alabama did not dominate LSU, but LSU is a whole heck of a lot better and more talented than Tulsa is. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I was I moved Alabama ahead of Cincinnati. I've got Cincinnati three, Oregon four, Ohio State five, and then Oklahoma six. Um, I don't have super strong feelings from like the two to. I guess two to six range. I, I don't, you know, you could put them in a different order, and I, I probably wouldn't argue a whole lot with you. Um, but you know, the good thing is a lot of this is going to sort itself out. Like if Ohio State yes, ends up beating, um, well, they've still got uh, Michigan State and Michigan, I think, coming down the pike. If they end up beating them, then yeah, and and, and winning the Big Ten, then they're probably going to be a top four team. Um, if Oregon ends up uh, winning out, maybe we'll see. But th- they haven't been great. They might slip. Speaking of Pac-12 really fast, Jimmy Lake at Washington. What the heck? <laughs> uh, he's a, if the listeners aren't aware, he was a former um, Bucks assistant. He was in the yep. secondary. He coached uh, uh, Rondé Barber. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. you guys remember him. Um, yep. Head coach at Washington. It's his second year. He's suspended for this next game because he pushed a player. Like, he was supposedly trying to kind of separate him from a potential... Uh, bad situation, but pushed a player, got suspended. There's questions about whether he's ever going to coach another game at Washington. Yeah. Um, and this was after, during the week, he, he talked about Washington's academic prowess and so that how they don't compete in the same recruiting pool as Oregon. Things got really bad there really fast, which I did not see coming. I like Jimmy Lake. Uh, I, I don't, I can't say I know him personally, but I, I certainly know those who know him personally. Um, and I don't know, obviously, what would happen with this player. Sounds out of character for him. Um, I, I I know that Washington has been one of those places that's certainly had trouble recruiting in the past. I, I don't know, you know, about all that with respect to academics and thing. Of course, we have several Washington players on the Bucks now that speak very highly of them. Um, so I, you know, you hate to see that sort of thing derail a head coach um, because we've seen that it can follow you to other places or, or per, perhaps prevent you from going other places. So um, we'll see. We'll follow that story and see where it leads us. But, it, yeah, it's not. It's never a good thing to, uh, you know, to, to be in the newspapers and, and other places about that. Um, speaking of Oklahoma, as you just did a minute ago, they play Baylor. That game's going to have a significant uh, impact, I think. Yeah, absolutely it is. You know, Oklahoma is – a lot of their meat is still ahead of them, right? Baylor's a top 20 team. Yes, they just lost to, to TCU team without their coach, but they're still a a solid program. Um, OU's got Iowa State, again, a solid 
top 40 program and, and at Oklahoma State and, and Bedlam. Um, so we're going to find out just how good the Sooners are here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, they, they've looked better on offense since switching from Spencer Rattler to Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I, I only have them at six because they did the whole playing with their food thing. Just, just look mm-hmm. at the schedule really fast. Um, barely beat, you know, beat Tulane by five. Seven-point win over Nebraska, which is not good. Three-point win over West Virginia. Six-point win over Kansas State. Last-second touchdown to beat Kansas, or to beat Texas. Struggled against Kansas uh, and was, were trailing at, at halftime of that one. Then, you know, showed, showed life and were a lot better against Texas Tech. But there, there's too many close calls there against kind of the middling Big Ten, or Big 12 teams, excuse me. So if they're going to make a push at this thing, and they absolutely can, it, they have the opportunity in front of them with, with uh one very good team, or one yeah, one one very good team in Oklahoma State, and two teams that are at least good in, in Baylor and Iowa State. And I don't know what this will mean for a national championship. Probably absolutely nothing. But I'm not going to miss Texas A&M against Ole Miss. This looks like a fun game between Jimbo and the Lane Train. Absolutely, A&M has been playing so much better. Um, give give Jimbo credit. He's he's not going to you know. I guess he's still technically alive for the SEC West. Um, I think if I think you'd need Alabama to lose one, so maybe Alabama loses the Iron Bowl or something. But considering how pedestrian Jimbo's Aggies looked earlier in the year, and I think he uses the word average or pretty average or something, then to beat Bama, crush Mizzou, crush South Carolina. You, you can crush South Carolina, by the way. That's, that's something that can be done. Um, and then beat Auburn by 17. They are playing very, very well, and to the point where it looks like it's going to work out with Jimbo at a and I, I don't know that he's ever going to win the national championship that they expect, but I, I had serious questions about whether he was going to be able to do there what he did at Florida State, and he is proving me wrong. He's having a very nice season, and, and uh, Ole Miss is always – they're one of the most fun teams to watch because you never know where you're going to get with, with Lane Kiffin. You, you never know, except I think there's going to be a lot of points. Jimbo Fisher earning every dime of that nine million dollars a year that he is raking in from. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of coaches that are envious of his situation. There's no doubt about that. He's Matt Baker. He's going to be doing a double dip uh, this week, Friday. It's USF Cincinnati for him, and then up to Florida State to watch Miami and the Seminoles. Matt, safe travels. Thanks so much. Have a good week, man. Sure. Thank you. All right, we'll be back out at the Bucks, of course, today. And a little bit of news that I think bodes poorly for the return of Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. Don't see those guys in the lineup anytime soon. You know, the two favorite targets are Tom Brady. Well, listen, they in the last few days, the Bucks have done some things to address those positions with veteran players who are familiar with this offense that can play right now. And that is that they reached an agreement with Brashard Perryman, Remember a couple of years ago, the first year under Bruce Arians, he had uh, quite a, I guess it was like a four-game run. I think he had over, I don't know, 420 yards or something like that, almost 420 yards, five touchdowns from Jameis Winston. He's 28. Um, he left the Bucks as a, as a free agent. Um, he's been with the Lions, got cut there. He's been with the Bears, cut there. So this would be his third team, I think, since like August. Um, but Perriman is a plug-and-play, and he's a deep threat. He's a vertical guy which is one of the things they're lacking right now with Antonio Brown out. Um, they certainly could uh, you know, could, could use him uh, as soon as the Washington game on this Sunday. The other thing they did was they went ahead and they signed uh, 
Darren Fells, who's a tight end that also played for Bruce Arians in Arizona when he made his transition from basketball and pro basketball uh, to football. He's been in the league for a while. I mean, he's not a young player by any means. I think he's like, I don't know, 35 or something like that. Um, but six foot seven, um, a guy who, uh, you know, sometime between 2019 and 2020 had like 11 touchdown catches. So he's a red zone target. I think the plan is to activate him for the game against Washington. He would be the third tight end behind OJ Howard and Cameron Brait. So I think what we we're seeing here is an acknowledgement that both those guys, Gronkowski and Antonio Brown are going to miss some time, more time. Uh, they haven't put either guy on IR, so that that would indicate that they think they'll be back within that three-week period. Um, they don't think they need to miss all three games, but it might just be a hope instead of a instead of a no. Because uh, I know that you know in the case of Brown, he posted an Instagram video of him working out over the bye week at his home, and it did not did not look like uh, that ankle was anywhere close. And they they acknowledge he's still in the boot this week, so. Uh, that sounds ominous to me. Um, you know, by the time this podcast drops, Odell Beckham Jr. may be uh, with another team. He's a free agent. He cleared waivers. I don't sense the Bucks are are involved in in many talks with him. That could change. Obviously, looks like the Green Bay Packers are a favorite of his. Uh, that would certainly bolster uh, that lineup there um, with you know with Adams and and such. So we'll see who he, where he ends up landing. I don't think it's going to be Tampa Bay, and I think. I think them bringing in Perryman, um, you know, is sort of an acknowledgement of that. But anyway, we'll follow that that story around. Uh, also, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I guess, Steve, they said Eric Chernak's going to be missing some time, right? Yeah, we learned that after the game on Tuesday night. He left in the first period, uh, was ruled out later with an upper body injury. John Cooper after the game saying it's not a day-to-day thing. They asked, is it a week-to-week thing? He said, yeah, maybe. Mm. So, uh, But Mikhail Sergachev does come back from suspension. Uh, they don't play again until Saturday against Florida. Zach Bogosian was at practice this week, so maybe he's back by Saturday or next week sometime, which would help their decor. But uh, losing Eric Chernak's a big loss. Yeah, tough loss to the Hurricane, too, by the way. I mean, the bad call against Steven Stamkos for goaltender interference gives him a power play goal late in that game, and they wind up losing in overtime. So yeah. Andre Vasilevsky was fantastic in that game. He was amazing. I thought he was going to shut him out and, and probably should have. And uh, – wasn't until they got the power play call, and then Lightning's power play, by the way, needs to pick it up just a bit, folks. It is not pretty. Mm-mm. Not pretty not at all. Hard to score when you get a man advantage and you can't can't uh, bury it. So uh, they got some work to do on that end for sure. So tomorrow we'll uh, preview, of course, the Bucks and the Washington Football Team as we head to the nation's capital, and of course, remember that playoff game a year ago in the wild card round. Taylor Heineke was better, actually, than Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, or Patrick Mahomes, I think, uh, in the postseason against the Bucks. Washington's not having a good year, but they still got some pieces. And, um, you know, obviously the Bucs uh, uh, coming off a bye week, they're rested. They're not quite as healthy as they want to be. Not sure just yet if we're going to see Sean Murphy bunting or Scotty Miller in this game. That remains to be seen, so we'll discuss all of that um, as we preview the Bucks at Washington. And most of all, happy Veterans Day to all our men and women who have served out there and continue to serve. Uh, we do not take this for granted. You know, this is a day to recognize what you do uh, for all of us, for our freedom, and, and it's one that uh, 
we're very grateful for and humbled by, quite frankly, living here in Tampa, close to McDill Air Force Base. We encounter all these folks all the time and um, just want to say we really appreciate uh, everything. And, you know, have a great day yourselves. Uh, remember the veterans out there that keep us free and, and uh, make the ultimate sacrifice for us. So for Steve Versting, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 